You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to a, a losing and uh, disappointed edition of the Assembly Call that will be uh, our last postgame show for this season. Tonight, your Indiana Hoosiers lost 73-63 to to Wichita State in the uh, with the chance to go to Madison Square Garden on the line in the NIT. Uh, the Hoosiers you know, fell behind, fought back, just could never really get over the hump, and in fact trailed for... Uh, nearly 36 and a half minutes of the game and just never were really able to get over the hump uh, despite a, a strong game from Juwan Morgan and some uh, decent contributions from Al Durham and, uh, and Devontae Green. But the, the same spirit that IU had at other points during the season and uh, just just really struggled to uh, struggle to get stops defensively when they needed to, struggle to make shots, struggle from the free throw line. Uh, in a lot of ways, this game was a, a microcosm of the season in, in terms of the way that IU played, the issues that they had, and their inability to really get over the hump, whether that uh, getting over the hump was picking up a key road win or picking up a win to get to the NCAA tournament. And uh, tonight they were unable to do that. And so uh, the season ends with this 10-point uh, loss at home to Wichita State. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms, here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and we'll break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And let's start this show the way we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Uh, and I don't know, I'll go a little bit off, I'll give two things here. Uh, one that I think definitely ties into, uh, you know, the purpose of this segment in terms of how IU can get closer to hanging another banner. I do think the way that the crowd rallied around this team and the fan base uh, although running the Twitter account tonight, that was somewhat short-lived, it felt like. But uh, I, I do think the way that the fans responded to this team playing in the NIT, uh, the number of fans that were at the games over the last, uh, you know, the last few, uh, particularly you know the Arkansas game and what it appeared like tonight, uh, I think is a positive sign that uh, you know the, the the fan base didn't give up on this team; they continued to show up, and I think that uh, is important for the future. And I thought that was, you know, one of the, you know, better storylines, some of the, the charitable stories that came out about getting people to games, uh, w- was a really cool part and a good way to end, uh, an otherwise, you know, disappointing season on a number of levels. The other one probably doesn't, uh, you know, may- maybe doesn't tie directly, uh, to hanging another banner, but I certainly hope that Juwan Morgan, who has now, uh, played his last game at assembly hall for sure. Uh, this time, uh, I, I hope he's a guy who makes his presence known around the program, even after he's gone, whatever his future in basketball holds, because uh, there was a long stretch of this game tonight where he was the only guy really keeping IU in this game, uh, you know, play where he goes and dives in the corner when everybody else has run down the floor. He's trying to go, you know, one on two to uh, come up with a loose ball. I, I, you know, he was really worn out down the stretch, it seemed like, and, uh, you know, came up short on a couple shots there, but I thought his effort over the course of the game, uh, was a good way while while not winning the game at Assembly Hall. I thought was a good uh, way for him to go out, just in terms of the effort level he provided and uh, and his willingness to to try to will this team to a victory, uh, which came up short. But I think uh, you know another 
strong second senior night performance from him. He ended with 21 points and I'm sure we'll talk about him more. He, he's a guy that will certainly be missed uh, from his attitude and, and all those kinds of things. So hopefully he's a guy that stays close to the program. And I think having guys like that, you know, transfer leadership uh, to others in the program and, and be a continued uh, presence around the program would go uh, a long way toward uh, hanging another banner. So he's a guy that uh, hopefully we've not seen and heard the last of while we've seen the last of him in an IU uniform. Uh, certainly hope he stays cl- close to the program and appreciate what he has provided for IU. Today's Hoosier Proud banner moment is brought to you as always by our friends at Hoosier Proud and Homefield. At homefieldapparel.com, you'll find the comfiest and most unique licensed IU apparel available anywhere. And at hoosierproud.com, you'll find great state of Indiana themed apparel while sending 10% of your purchase to causes around Indiana like the Hoosier Veterans Assistance Foundation. Both brands are started by an IU grad and all Hoosier Proud and Homefield apparel is designed and printed out of Indianapolis. With the NCAA tournament and NIT now in full swing, be sure to check out all of Homefield's officially licensed IU designs. And they've recently added several fantastic new items. Homefield now has a tri-blend bison t-shirt. We've told you about the hoodie, which has been great. So, which has been great for the winter. Now you can get the t-shirt so you can wear comfortable tri-blend material with the awesome vintage IU bison logo year round. And in addition to the bison tee, there's also a hoodie version of the script Indiana design and a sweatshirt version of the sneakers design. Use the promo code assembly at checkout to get 15% off your order on either site. That's promo code assembly at hoosierproud.com and homefieldapparel.com. All right, it's time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Tonight, we'll start with Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what's your rant on tonight's game? Well, I think that, that you know, obviously, it, I echo what you said about Jawan Morgan. Uh, I really hope he sticks around the program in, in some capacity. I think he will. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely, we haven't seen the last of Jawan uh, He's a great kid, and he played his tail off this year. Um, you know, we criticized him at times for maybe not stepping up in big moments, but those are small criticisms given the overall breadth of what he did for this program. So uh, kudos to Juwan, and uh, it was really sad to see his last game in Assembly Hall be a loss, but he certainly gave everything he had. Um, what I would say is I just think that if you look at the numbers here, and, and neither team shot particularly well, um, both teams I thought played decent defense at times. I thought that Indiana lost shooters, and that was really their downfall. Uh, but if you look at it, uh, and and Wichita State certainly shot a lot of threes. They shot 29, but they made 11, Indiana made six. Uh, you take that difference as 15 points just from the three-point line. Indiana has to get better at shooting from the outside. In the modern game, you have to be able to make shots from the outside. And when you get down in the game by as much as nine, 10 points, the only, you know, part of the formula to get back, I mean, obviously you've got to play defense and get stops, but you've also got to be able to knock down some shots and get momentum on your side that way. Going two points at a time is not going to get it done, and it's going to take a heck of a lot longer. You can jumpstart a comeback with a three-pointer. And this year... Indiana just did not have that. Devontae Green, you know, over the last couple games has been shooting really well. He was off in the first half tonight. He wound up two of seven. Uh, Jawan Morgan was one of four. And then Al Durham was three of six. And Al's, you know, he's missed a lot of three-pointers over the last couple games. But, you know, they were all good shots. He just wasn't sinking them. And one of those three that he hit tonight was when the game felt like it was kind of decided from straight on there um, at the towards the end. I, I just think that Indiana has to develop shooters and that's going to be an incredible point. It's not the only factor. And I know people are going to jump on that. Well, there was this, there was that, there was the other thing. Um, I get it. But at the same time, I, I really think that shooting translates everywhere. It can get a team fired up. It can, you know, make it so you panic less on offense when you know that you can reverse it and you've got guys who can knock down shots. Uh, um, 
you know, on the perimeter with you. So uh, I, I really think that Indiana needs to do that. I don't know if that's going to come via transfer or just developing these guys to shoot better. It has to happen though. Indiana has to be able to knock down shots from the outside. You cannot be, you know, what, I mean, what were we percentage wise this year? It was incredibly low nationally, but um, you just can't win games. I mean, unless you you're Duke and you have like seven, five stars or eight, five stars on the roster, you're not going to win games when you can't knock down shots consistently. So I think this Indiana team, these guys all need to get in the gym starting, you know, take a day off tomorrow and then start, start working on your shot in the off season. Guys like Justin Smith, Al Durham continues, needs to continue to refine it. Although he shot pretty well this year. I know his fingers are uh, still bothering him, but Though he needs to get in the gym. Devontae Green needs to get more consistent. Rob Finnessy needs to get more consistent. Um, Race Thompson, even guy needs to be able to step out and hit shots. Everybody on this team needs to do it. Demise Anderson, whoever they need to be able to make shots. And it sounds simple that if you make shots, you win. Well, guess what? In this game, they make three more three pointers, two more three pointers, a couple that rimmed out. Uh, it's a different game. Um, and, and again, not the only reason they lost, and there are a ton of factors into it, but it's as simple as that. If you can knock down shots, you put yourself in a much better position to win games. Indiana couldn't do that. Only scored 63 points against a good team that was streaking at this point of the season. Really a tough, tough way to lose, but if you make shots, it's a different story. And now let's throw it over to the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Coach, what were your, uh, what were your big takeaways from the game tonight? Well, it just come down to a, a team in Wichita State that got hot at the right moment and a team that didn't make shots uh, to answer them. There were several times in the second half where it got down to one, two uh, points, a one-possession game, and, and an opportunity to take the lead was missed by Indiana only to see uh, a shot being made. One was a double-clutch three uh, by the McDuffie kid. The other time there was an offensive rebound. Uh, and maybe a push in the back, but there really wasn't a physical blockout. Uh, and the ball gets thrown in for an and one. And, and so you can make comebacks, but you can't you can't make continuous comebacks. At some point, it's going to end, and it, it ended for our Hoosiers. But but I'll echo what everyone is saying here. Um, th- this team, the roster construction, is a huge part of of winning basketball games. And and there's many different ways of going about constructing uh, a roster, but you're going to need shot makers and you're going to need playmakers. And those two things have been lacking and and the dependence on scoring in the paint, uh, our stats on scoring in the paint were tremendous tonight. Uh, But you need some people to, to be able to hit threes. And it's not just the ones that go in. It's also the threat. Uh, We have seen a packed defense in the lane all year, which hurt uh, our best player in Romeo all year where he had to get to the rim to score. Uh, he couldn't, uh, he, his pull-up game, his three-point game wasn't uh, super by any means. And, and it just took away a, a lot all season. And it showed up again uh, today that it was hard to get that ball inside where we had an advantage against a solid defensive team. But you, it, it's difficult Um you know, and everyone says, you know, oh, you're making excuses, you're making excuses. But when you watch the NCAA tournament last weekend and you watch it coming up this weekend, there are playmakers uh, on the teams that are still around, and that's where Indiana needs to be. And while I like all the guys on our team and I root for for the guys on Indiana's team, I don't really see a lot of shot makers and playmakers on the offensive side of the basketball. And, and I think that just need whether it can be developed um, – I'm not sure it can be developed to the point where it's going to be successful. Uh, it could be developed to where it's okay, but I think you need to get people 
in the program that are players uh, and multi-dimensional players um, offensively, because this year was a it was an offensive uh, nightmare, and it's hard to believe that when you had a couple of, of, of pretty good scores on there defensively. I, I think we had trouble guarding the pick and roll to top, and we overhelped from the corners, and that's where McDuffie got early uh, action. Um, and the defense is okay. It needs to get better. In the third year of Archie Miller, it will get better. But there were a lot of times where the defense kept Indiana in games all year. Just a tough way to go out. I do congratulate the squad. They could have given up on day one of the NIT, and they made it three games. Wish they could have made it to New York. But now it's time uh, to head to the offseason. Yeah, I just wanted to to make a note. Uh, you mentioned McDuffie. He had 16 points in the first half, really got going. Uh, credit to Justin Smith, who I was all over on Twitter uh, for his performance in the first half. Uh, second half, he he played McDuffie really well. McDuffie only got five points in the second half. Yeah, there's a, a lot of different a lot of different phases to to hit here. I think so. Let, let's kind of talk about I, at roster construction. Let's let's go that route first. And a lot of the other things I have are statistical, which we can get to in the next segment. I mean, tonight was basically Juwan had 21. Uh, Devontae hit a couple shots in the second half, ended up with 12. Al had 13. Just not a lot of other contributions from uh, from the bench, for sure. The bench was outscored 16-4. to four. Uh, All four of those came from Duran. IU only played eight guys tonight, really only played seven with Race Thompson playing uh, seven minutes. And I felt like this was a game that IU missed Romeo maybe a little bit more than, than they had in some of these other games. Just the ability of somebody to – you know, as coach said, a, a shot maker or a playmaker to really try to get in there and, and be able to finish at the rim because IU had had eight shots blocked in the first half, I think ended up with nine shots blocked over the course of the game, shot just over 40% on on two-pointers. And I, it, it just felt like that was such a huge factor. Even when Juwan would get the ball, though I thought they went away from him too much at times, there were really struggles to finish because it was another game where you saw an opponent really – pack it in uh, and forced IU to take take tough shots at the rim uh, and they struggled to finish and I, I think there's a few different ways to look at that I just thought the first half in particular they fell behind because they didn't get enough out of anybody who wasn't named Al Durham and uh, and Juwan Morgan so I guess let's start with Devontae he's probably the easiest part to start he'd come in on such a hot streak uh, I thought really struggled uh, with shot selection in the first half and some of that's give and take with him uh, and then kind of played hobbled, seemed to actually play a little bit better uh, after he got injured. Uh, it, it seemed like later on, because he tried to make a couple plays early in the second half that were just, he had Juwan on a you know roll to the basket, just tried to you know bullet the ball in there. It goes into the third row. Um, I just thought he didn't play as within himself for most of the games he did. So um, th- he'd really fueled a lot of this late season run um, when Romeo was out. So Ryan, what, what did you see from him that was maybe different tonight uh, other than shots not going in um, th- that he did and that maybe he got away from that he'd been doing well in the games prior? I, I honestly thought he didn't look like he had legs early in the first half. I, I thought that uh, he, he wasn't getting the the lift on his jumper that I think that he normally gets. Um, I, I, th- I thought that he was kind of forcing some stuff. And I think that Wichita State, which is a great defensive team, typically under under Greg Marshall, uh, was really pushing him to make decisions quickly as opposed to letting him, you know, letting him when he had the ball sort of decide when to make decisions. Um, 
so I thought that was really a big part of it. And, and I think that he just kind of maybe got a little carried away in the, in the flow of the game and started doing the things they wanted him to do, which is sort of like forcing stuff inside. Uh, I thought that Wichita State did a great job protecting the rim. I thought that some calls didn't go any in his way on some of those blocks. They, they got blocked shots, but I thought on, on some of them they got bodied. But then again, they weren't they were letting a lot of contact go both ways. So that's just, you know, that was the flow of the game and you got to adjust to it. You got to be able to finish through contact. Didn't think he did. Rob Finnessy ran into that problem a few times where he just drove into the middle, the teeth of that defense. And if you do that and two guys help on you, that means somebody's open. You got to find him instead of just throwing it up into the arms of a guy who's much bigger than you. Um, so, yeah, with, with Devontae, I think he just kind of got out of the flow of the game a little bit where he's trying to force things um, and, and kind of, you know, he, he'd, he'd drive the ball in or he'd bring the ball up, get it on the perimeter. Indiana be down five or seven or whatever it was, and he'd just get in there and try and force something. And that was specifically happened a lot in the first half. Uh, Second half, I thought he calmed down a little. Obviously, yeah, he was hobbled. It looked like a cramp to me. I don't think it was anything serious. Uh, But as anybody who's ever had a cramp knows, those are insanely painful and they recur very quickly. Um, So I I do think he played better in the second half. you know, playing through that, he had a couple threes. He hit that one where he got the four point play, which I thought looked like, hey, Indiana's gonna gonna win this thing. They have all the momentum. Then he missed the free throw, and he missed all three of his free throws tonight. And he's a good free throw shooter. So you wonder if there was some lack of focus due to the leg or or what. But um, you know, it's it's tough because there were opportunities there and Devontae was a big part of it. And quite frankly, he's going to be a big part of what this team does next year. If he's still here, uh, he, he, you know, but he's got to be able to rein that side of himself in where he lets the defense dictate what he does. And, you know, is constantly forcing passes into bad spots and is, you know, pulling up for shots that they absolutely want him to take. Uh, he's got to be smarter and better than that. You get a lot with Devontae, good, and you get bad. You know, I got a text from my son who was in Assembly Hall tonight. He said, it looks like bad Devontae showed up. And and we've been giving credit to Devontae. Devontae didn't play well tonight. And and here's the thing. When, when I, I'm I'm really going to be big on roster construction tonight because Devontae's the best when he comes off the bench for instant offense and plays off the ball. And then you play him when he's going well, and then you restrict his minutes when he's not playing within the scheme of what the coaching staff wants to do. That's a vital part of a ball club to come in and get your 20 minutes, get your shots up, score for Indiana um, to get, you know, 35, 36 minutes. And really he put Indiana on his back the last five or six games. I'm not really sure that's the optimal place for a Devonte green at this point in his basketball career. I know. And he would probably like that role, uh, but you're, when you roll with Devonte, you're going to have some good and you're going to have some bad. And I thought he was middle average at best, uh, you know, uh, did some did some typical Devonte things, but also put the ball in the basket at times and was a little bit of a playmaker at a time. But you've got to get 13 guys on a roster that have enough experience that understand what's going on to put people in the right positions. I think Indiana this year had many players in, in difficult roles or new roles. And that's even a fantasy as a freshman point guard. That's Morgan as an undersized five, uh, you know, Smith as a four that, that struggles shooting outside of layups. Uh, there were a lot of things that you had to put people in difficult positions. And then you, you put a lot of pressure on Devonte to always score, you know, 16 to 20 points to carry it against a team that guards 
like Wichita State. I think that that just turned out to be a little bit uh, too much. And, you know, you show it shows when race comes in and we all want race to play and we're all excited about race, but race got lost twice bad defensively. And then you start understanding why maybe he's not getting the minutes uh, that everyone thinks that, that he's getting. And Justin Smith struggled in the first half, but he's the one who kind of gets it and physically can do it. And, and there's not many options. So that that's where, where Indiana basketball is, is still away from where we all want it to be. And I, and I know it's, it's hard to be patient, but um, Devontae needed to be great Devontae tonight, and he just wasn't, um, but I don't think he was horrible. Yeah, I thought with him it was interesting. I, I thought he really struggled in the first half to contain dribblers de- defensively, so it's one thing to talk about the shots and, and some of the decision-making, which y- you're just going to get from him, as you guys have both said. I, I do think defensively um, he's shown the ability to to be locked in on that end, and I didn't feel like he was. Uh, early on, and I think it's it's hard, partly just you know in the heat of the moment after the game, and also just you know, as the season ends to try to you know go back and put both the season and his his play over the course of it in whatever the appropriate context really is at this point as we sit here because he played really well and and over these last handful of games got everybody really excited about what he can be going into his senior season at IU and and even the team's play made you feel like they, they really might be turning a corner or this was a, a something to build off of. And in the immediate aftermath of the loss, I think it's easy to look at those things and, and maybe wonder if they were fool's gold. And the reality of that situation is we're not going to know for a number of months now and, until we figure that out. So I think that becomes a little bit difficult where you're trying to rationalize and make sense of a whole bunch of different things that have happened over the last couple of weeks and try to figure out where they really fit in. And the, the downside of the season being over for a number, you know, in addition to a number of things is that you're not really going to know uh, what the reality is at, uh, at this point about it. But uh, you know, with that, we'll, uh, we'll take a break here and, and coming up as we continue our breakdown of IU 73, 63 loss to Wichita state, I'll point out today's meaningful moment you might've missed. And then we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You're listening to the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni, and we are breaking down Indiana's 73-63 loss to Wichita State. Uh, and it's time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. Uh, there were a few that I that I jotted down. I, the, the big thing for me that I, I keep coming back to, and I'm not sure I captured all these in my notes, but were the situations where IU seemed to have a chance to get over the hump and simply could not do it. Um, and, and I thought, you know, there were a few of those. One was, um, you know, I think Juwan had a, he had a, this, that possession where he had a couple blocks. Rob got his first basket after that uh, on a reverse, cut it to two. Um, but, you know, then the next possession, they play great defense, don't get the rebound. Justin Smith falls asleep. McDuffie beats him for a layup and a potential and one only missed the free throw. Then you had Al with the chance with the three to take the lead. McDuffie hits one on the other end that pushes it back up to four. Uh, Devontae's missed free throw after he got fouled on the three-pointer um, that would have tied it. And then Wichita State went right down and made a three. Uh, even Devontae making the three, you know, toward the end, IU takes a timeout with a little bit over four minutes left. Wichita State just inbounds the ball, drives right at the floor, hits another three. I just thought that to me 
while those are a number a number of different moments, like that was the story of the game that IU played well enough for a little while to hang around and kind of dig themselves out of the hole. They just never had enough to get over the hump. And I don't know whether that was the number of minutes that guys ended up playing tonight with the pretty short rotation uh, or, or what really the, you know, the culprit was from there. But Ryan, any of those really stand out to you as particularly backbreaking? I know it's not really fun to kind of go down this, you know, horror show of uh, potential moments where it really felt like the crowd was on the brink of getting into it and one shot goes down and everybody goes nuts. But yeah, uh, late in the second half, I well, maybe from midway to late in the second half, uh, I, I thought Rob Finnessy let um, let Dexter Dennis get loose on a few threes. And, and look, you know, that guy's a shooter. You know, that's what he does. And to let him get free uh, for four threes in the second half is not, that's not okay. And and look, it's a freshman mistake. Rob will not, you know, we've seen Rob make mistakes this year and then he doesn't make them again that he made repeatedly in the same game. He's going to look at film on this tomorrow and be kicking himself because he's a smart player and he knows that. And a few times he let Dexter Dennis, another freshman get free and knock down three pointers. And in the second half, Dennis is the one who won this game for which state. He had 14 points. He was five or six from the field, four or five from three point range. Um, you know, that's the game right there. If you're looking at this is that, as you said, guys were, you know, Dennis is about a 40% three-point shooter. You know he's good from there. And every time Indiana started to make a run, it was Dennis or Haynes Jones or somebody would knock down a three <clears throat> to really just stop that momentum. And if you look at the rest of the team for Wichita State, they were two of 10 in the second half from the three-point from three point range. Dennis was four or five. That's the difference in the ballgame. Um, if, you're, if you're talking about the offense, you know, they shot, 36% from the field or something like that in the second half. Um, and four of those were, they, they were nine of 25 and four of those were threes by Dennis. You can't let that guy get free. And, and so it happened several times. I don't know the timestamps. I don't know what the score was, but I just remember thinking, okay, one stop here. Indiana's going to answer right back, take the lead and go on a big run. Cause this crowd's going to have their back. And just as the crowd's getting amped up, and we've seen this at assembly hall in the past and a lot this year, even, Crowd's getting a little amped up. Crowd's getting a little amped up. Boom. Opponent hits a three, kills the momentum. And that's what I was talking about in the intro about having a three point shooter. You can staunch momentum or you can build momentum with a big three. It happened, you know, against Indiana in this one. And, and I, I really think Rob Finnessy's and and there were other guys who rotated on him too, off of screens and, you know, um, and, 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 cuts and everything like that but i thought fantasy was on him for the most part and and got beat a few times really badly on that stuff coach any moments stand out to you yeah you you go back to roster construction again my theme they had a guy that went off in the first half and then they had another guy who went off in the second half all from three-point range and they did not shoot a good percentage so you could say oh, you guarded them rather well to hold them to 36 percent it was just key baskets at key moments. If Al Durham hits that three, it, it was a one-point game, 52-51. I think that's the ball game. Uh, uh, you know, my son said the crowd was just wanting to go crazy, and every time it went crazy, there was a dagger shot, and then everyone just got back. And kudos Feels like to that the, happened a lot this year. Yeah, but crowd kudos, ready to to go. This, kudos to this crowd because it, they got back on their feet eight, nine, ten times. Um, and, and, you know, the – those people that went to assembly hall really wanted to see the Hoosiers win and, and will them to a win. Here's my um, point. It was 10 to nine and there was not a bounce underneath for Wichita state and a screen to screener action. Uh, McDuffie screens first in the lane. Then he comes off a screen to the baseline three point line. 
And Justin Smith was not ready when the ball was handed to the inbounder. He was standing up. He was not in a stance. And, and, and that, that was, you know, it happens all the time. There's very rarely a, a perfect game when you watch film as a coach of everyone in a stance at the right time. But all of a sudden, he hit that, and then he got another three in the next three or four minutes. Then he got fouled on a three-point line. And then that's when Justin made a bad turnover. And it just seemed like that four-minute mark, it went from 10 to 9 Indiana up to 18 to 10 or 19 to 10 Wichita State and put Indiana behind, uh, you know, the chains or whatever you want to say, whatever appropriate basketball term for being – they were fighting from behind ever since that three-minute mark. And sometimes it takes one mess up, one not one times one person not doing their job, and and then the the dam breaks, and, and now you've got to keep fighting back and fighting back and fighting back. And those are the things that I really would like to see fixed. You know, I don't want to see about vertical leaps anymore. I don't want to see workout tapes. I want to see heart and competitive tapes all summer from the Indiana basketball Twitter account, and that because you know if, if you're locked in, you're down in the stance anticipating that ball being passed. To, handed from the official and you're ready because you know the play's coming uh they knew the play was coming i know the coaches told them the play was coming but you can't guard it when you're standing straight up and you're not ready to play and mcduffie takes off and boom then then it just those are little things that when we watch film uh, uh, in our program and i'm sure the coaching staff down at you does the same thing we just harp on it harp on it harp on it 40 minutes everybody uh playing at the same time locked in together and there probably are a lot more moments in tonight's game that we could point out that way. But that one stuck out to me right when it happened uh, because you, you let a good shooter see that ball go in, and then all of a sudden it's hard to stop him even if you're, even if you're close to him. Well, yeah, I thought, McDuffie, I, I think it's worth noting that, that uh, it, it, to your point, coach, Wichita State hit 11 threes, McDuffie and Dennis combined for nine of them. So, I mean, yeah. those were the two guys you need to stop from there. They did a good job getting a hand in McDuffie's face in the second half. And he got hot a little bit in the first half. And, you know, once a guy gets hot, you know, as we know, with uh, he who shall not be named from Iowa, there's really not a whole lot you can do. Um, but, you know, I thought they recovered and played better on McDuffie in the second half. But the but then at the same time, they let Dennis go. And so you just kind of th- if you're Archie Miller, you throw your hands up. You're just like, what, what am I supposed to do here? We're, we got to defend the three because they didn't have a whole lot going on anywhere else on the court. So, um, you know, Haynes Jones was eight of eight from the free throw line. That's the only other guy who got into double figures he had 13 points and eight of those were free throws they had nothing else going on they started knocking down those threes and they were and, and to their credit they played great defense against indiana as well did you well, notice that they were jamming the ball screen in the second half i think when they were they were hedging hard the, the roll guy was going to the rim which was taking away weak side and then they were taking throwing away it. the wing yeah they were taking away the wing and then they were hitting the three so in the second half Morgan early on the first ball screen was jamming the screener, which means just standing in his way, not letting him roll. But then what happens, the guard got loose and forced help from, from that wing. So there was an adjustment attempted at halftime uh, and kudos to Wichita state for knocking down those shots. Well, I think part of that goes back to, you know, coach, you talked about Justin Smith in your moment. This is probably a good spot as any to talk about him. I thought he, really, really struggled in the first half. And that's probably, uh, that's probably understating it. But I think, you know, there was that stretch that you mentioned where he tried to make an entry pass on the top of the key that I have no idea how he thought would ever get to the intended recipient of that. There was a play where IU was starting to I almost get a fell little, out of my chair yeah. when he did that, by the way. Yeah, you know, IU's starting to get a little momentum. Uh, instead of going back into Juwan, he attempts a turnaround fadeaway shot from inside. He fouled McDuffie on the three right after that, and I thought he had come close to fouling him on the one before that. Um, and, and 
I just thought hit, you know, it, that led to a domino effect because at that point, you know, there was no way you could leave him on the court the way that he was playing. But then that made Juwan have to go out and try to play McDuffie, which is not what you want to do, but you didn't really have another option. This goes back to coaches. Yeah, there construction. No so there we are. So, yeah, I mean, Justin was a guy who really had to show up and play well against him defensively. And so then that led to those problems. And then that led to, you know, Wichita State. Every time Jerome was out there, they would put him in a ball screen in those scenarios. And that was, you know, to kind of tie all these points together. I think those were some of the things that really led to the struggles because then you had Juwan having a hard time getting out to McDuffie. You had Duran with a tough time covering the ball screen and you had Justin sitting on the bench because, you know, he wasn't focused enough to, to play the way that he, you know, that I, you needed him to play. And really for as much as, you know, Devante at times over the course of the you know end of the season, it was, you know, this team in a lot of games went as Justin Smith went and and they managed to survive a rough performance from him against Arkansas, but they weren't able to overcome that tonight in part due to the fact that there wasn't a clear guy to really step in for him. Now, I agree with you, Ryan, that he did play better in the second half, but from an offensive standpoint, you know, there was a play in the second half. We, we texted about it where it was like his season encapsulated. He does a you know, poor job closing out. McDuffie drives right by him, ends up missing the layup, but then Justin Smith kind of redeems himself because he beats everybody down the floor and ends up getting a layup. Like to me, that is the best and the worst of him within a 10 second time span of what he can do athletically when he's focused versus when he's not. And I just thought this was a, you know, the way he he played during that stretch that coach talked about. I think they had 17 points and seven possessions or something like that during that stretch where they really blew out the lead. Cause it was a rock fight early and that really gave them the lead. And now you never dug back out of it, but I, I don't, Brian, any thoughts from you on, on Justin? Uh, I know you talked a little bit about his play in the second half, but uh, we never really hit the first half. Yeah. In the first half, he just, he just seemed out of it. It was one of those Justin Smith performances. Look, and, and, and Justin by all accounts is a great kid. He's really smart. He's uh he's kind of a Renaissance man. People talk about, he's got a lot of interests. He's the kind of person uh, from a, personality perspective that you want in your program. He's a really interesting kid. A lot of people really like him a lot. The problem is he gets on the court sometimes and it's like his mind is on all those other things that make him a Renaissance man and not basketball. And and he just kind of drifts through games. And I don't know if it's an ADD thing or what, but he just seems like not focused on the game. And, you know, I, I want that kid more than anybody. I want that kid to be successful because I love the person he is and, 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 and like how interesting a kid he is and how different he is than your typical average basketball player that you, that, you know, you get to know over your time at IU who are just basketball junkies. Um, I like that he has different interests and I like that he's a different kind of guy, but the problem is he gets on the court at sometimes. And sometimes when he's focused, he was focused when we were there against Michigan state tore Michigan state up. And he has that ability every time he steps on the court to be an X factor. But when he's not focused, when he's not reading the game, when he's not displaying any sense of basketball IQ, it kills Indiana every single time because there you have a guy that talented. You rely on him defensively at times this year, earlier this year. He was one of the best defenders in the Big Ten. They put him on McDuffie tonight because Indiana did not really have a one to one matchup against McDuffie. They said, all right, we're going to put our tall, athletic uh, defender on him. And he just lost him the entire first half. Second half, he came out. I don't know if he drank something in the locker room or what. Guy came out focused, defended McDuffie well. Some of that was McDuffie not playing as well as he did in the first half. But still, give Justin credit. He was the one guarding him. 
And then the second half, he didn't attempt a fadeaway. He didn't attempt any of that. He actually ran the floor. And a lot of times, people, it drives people nuts. I get texts all the times. Why is Justin Smith jogging up and down the floor? I have no answer for that. I don't. You know, sometimes when you are, uh, you know, a forward, you have to kind of trail the guard to make sure that, you know, if the ball comes loose or whatever, you're there to grab it. But man, when it's a breakout, you should not be jogging up the floor. You need to be sprinting. You go rim to rim. And I've talked about it many times. Uh, you know, if you're a parent of a kid out there who's playing, or if you're a kid that you're tuned in, first of all, go to bed. But second of all, if you're tuned into this, run the dang floor. You will get five to seven points a game just by running faster than everybody and wanting it more and getting down the floor faster. Cody Zeller lived on that when he was at Indiana. Justin Smith is fully capable of doing that. But he doesn't. He jogs. And I don't know. I don't know what it is. If he thinks he's running, if he thinks he's trying hard, I don't know. But it's clearly not watching tape is clearly not changing his way. So they really have to tap in with Justin Smith and figure out what's going on and try and change him as a basketball player this offseason. Because when he is not focused, this team sinks with him. He brings it down. And I said tonight in the first half, he is hurting this team. He's not just not playing well. He's hurting the team on both ends of the floor. And, you know, that it's just that's unacceptable at this level. You can't have somebody out there consistently who does that. And if Race Thompson hadn't been sick last week and had had gotten some more minutes under his belt uh, this year, I think he would have been in the game more than he was tonight. And um, but, yeah, it's just frustrating as a fan to see that because I want Justin to succeed so much. And it just it doesn't seem like he has that desire or burning will all the time that you need to have to be successful at this level, especially a, given his talent level. Like that's the, that's the worst part is how stupid talent that talented that guy is physically. He should be better than he is. It puts a coach in a tough position too, because you know, I'm not sure Fitzner could have guarded Mc, you know, McDuffie tonight and I'm not no sure way. race could have guarded him. So the physical skills and talent that that young man has, you need him on the floor to do that. But then when it doesn't show up, that it gets frustrating. And again, I, I'm going to go back to the roster. That's where you recruit guys in to put uh, pressure on players for playing time and raise the level of competition and, and the injuries. Everyone says, Oh, you, you fans are making excuses for the injuries, but injuries provide competition and competition, um, you know, dr gives coaches more, more options, but there's been a lot of great players that have played the game of basketball that have lacked a little bit of competitiveness and what they are, are great people who play basketball without a comp uh, as much competitiveness as is needed. And, and Justin needs to be competitive from the start to the end in order to maximize his God given ability uh, to play the game of basketball. But he's, you know, he's got to be able to score the basketball a little bit, um, you know, we, we have two players that we like that are great defenders but really can't score, and that's just not good basketball in the Big Ten. Uh, you've got to be multidimensional. Yes, you could have a strength. You could be more defensive than uh, offensive, but, you know, we've got to start getting guys that can play on both ends and, and, and play it consistently. All right, let's go inside the numbers. We've talked about a number of these, so we probably won't belabor this a whole lot, but you know, a couple of things just to, to piggyback on the three-point shooting. So Wichita State tonight took 53% of their field goal attempts from three-point range. So 29 of their 55 field goal attempts coming into the game. 
Uh, they were about middle of the pack in Division One. They'd taken 38.9% of their threes from there and really came in shooting a poor percentage. I'm sure everybody really wants to hear this. They were 31% uh, coming into the game, and they shot better than that you know, tonight, making you know 37.9%. Uh, but a little bit, you know, clearly, I think something that they must have seen uh, McDuffie got got hot. I mean, he took 12. Um, you know, Dennis took seven. The other guys, as, as Ryan mentioned, didn't shoot him very well. That was just from a, a, you know, kind of where their points and shots typically come from was a little bit atypical uh, for what they they like to do. Uh, from an IU perspective, IU ends up six of 18 from three, four of 13 in the second half. We're only two of five in the first half. And I think even pretty late into the to the game were around the 40% mark. IU took a lot of threes late trying to come back. I thought some of them were a, a little bit rushed, um, you know, leading up to that. But another, you know, rough performance from IU there. Didn't shoot the ball well from two-point range either, as I mentioned earlier. Seven of 13 from the free throw line. Just no good shooting numbers anywhere uh, as you look down for IU. Uh, bench points 16 to four in favor of Wichita State. We mentioned the nine blocks from Wichita State, eight of those that came in the first half. Uh, those were uh, those were big. Not a lot of turnovers from IU, just nine over the course of the game, and only three in the second half. Um, Thirteen it, from Wichita State. Yeah, and IU forced some turnovers and got some easy baskets as a result of that. I think it would have been even worse. And you know, you look at points in the paint, thirty-six to sixteen in favor of IU, and that's a obviously a function of the fact that you know Wichita State made as many two pointers as they did three pointers. They made eleven of each uh, over the course of the game. So that's the answer. Yeah, worth IU, noting. Worth yeah. noting that Wichita State had nothing going on inside the three-point line. They really didn't. I mean, their big guys gave nothing, and, and IU did a good job defending in there. Their big guys did give some some offensive rebounds, particularly in the yes. second half. That that didn't lead to a lot of second-chance points. IU still won second-chance points 13-5, to five, but there were a couple stretches there where IU just could not get a rebound, and I think in too many cases we're just trying to out-jump somebody for rebounds instead of really, you know, Coach mentioned this a couple times, being physical with uh, with trying to block out, but – those at least were the numbers that I saw. Coach, any other numbers uh, from your perspective that jumped out at you? I was surprised when I think at about the five-minute mark, it looked at the the cumulative stats, and it looked like Indiana was having the better game, and yet it was down five at the time. Uh, shooting percentage, uh, you know, the only thing I think that was uh, Indiana was trailing was bench points. Um, so, you know, again, it that shocks you too when you look at, Usually you lose a, a few of those statistical categories in a, in a loss. And, and I'm sure by the time it ended up, uh, it probably went to Wichita State's way in some. But, um, you know, Indiana's lost games when they haven't turned the ball over. It, it, it just to me, it just comes down. We need better offensive players um, and, and to put them all together will result in, in, in better offense. And. I think that's been the problem this year, and I know that's very frustrating for fans to to swallow when you have a, a Romeo and, and a Jawan. Um, but but e- even those guys, as wonderful as they are and were for Indiana basketball, had certain spots on the floor where they had to score, and other spots they weren't scoring. So 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 they weren't as complete as everyone maybe thought they would. And I, I don't mean that to be a, a knock, but you know. Um, you saw it in the NCAA tournament. There's a team with, you know, three lottery picks that can't shoot. And it almost cost them a game against the nine seed. So, yeah. you know, shooting in a game of basketball really, really matters. Uh, you well, could have talented players. Uh, if you can't space the floor and shoot, you know, you're going to have defenses that are set to stop that kind of uh, offensive attack. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. 
Yeah, coach, I mean, you mentioned shooting and, and you mentioned that all of the stats seem to favor all the stats you want to favor. I used seem to favor you. And look, there were some offensive rebounds they got. And Andy, you mentioned that some of those were just long rebounds off of threes. I mean, you know, that, that really a long shot, you never know where the rebounds going to go. And so sometimes the guy, you can have good position on a guy and he'll get it. I didn't think that was the case all the time, but a couple of times that was, so you look at the rebounds and you know, they lost, but Indiana lost the battle by six. You're not too terribly upset about that. Um, but then, you know, points in the paint, fast break points, uh, steals, turnovers, um, points off of turnovers, all of that stuff, Indiana won and lost. And the big difference, as we said, the equalizer is th- the fact that Wichita State hit more three-pointers than Indiana did. You can score the same number of field goals. In fact, Indiana scored three more field goals than than Wichita State did, but theirs were more efficient because they were hitting threes. I mean, that's the big difference for me. The the one stat that I thought was really important that stood out to me was Rob Finnessy was one of nine from the field. And, and that was a, a case of him just driving into the defense, getting a lot of shots blocked, putting up a lot of shots that shouldn't gone in. And he wound up with five points. Three of them are free throws. Um, only one and I from the field is, is pretty bad. I thought also they forced him into some pull-up jumpers that just, that's not Rob's game. If he's going to shoot a three or a, a jump shot, it's going to be with set feet. Um, but yeah, I just Something thought Something I'd would... like to see, Ryan, on that is compare uh, fantasy to Simpson's freshman year and Cassius Winston's freshman year. And that's something for an off-season uh, show that we can do too. But he was thrust into a major role. And I know those guys play, but look what they're doing at, when they're juniors. Oh you yeah, know, so no, I think I, sometimes Rob, you know, Rob, Rob has has tough games, and we're but we don't need him to. We we can't afford Rob to have a tough game, exactly. and that's that's again where you need more players around when your younger guys struggle to go a different direction. And and, and again, this roster just wasn't made that way for sure. And, and look, Rob going one of nine in a tournament game against a good defensive team. I mean, that's not it. it you know it's not a hundred percent shocking. You know, he's a freshman. He's a freshman point guard who had a rough game. So you're not, you know, bowled over by that or shocked, but at the same time, given how much IU relies on him, uh, it really was a bad spot for it to happen. Yep. Yep. All right. Coming up on the assembly call, we'll continue our breakdown of Indiana's 73-63 loss to Wichita State. Uh, we want to talk. I want to hit Rob just a, a little bit more here, and then I want to talk through Al Durham and uh, and the game from Deron Davis as well when we come back. So that's next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 6,000 fellow IU fans are already subscribed. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and we are breaking down IU's 73-63 to season-ending loss to Wichita State. Uh, and, and we touched a little bit on Rob here. I wanted to talk about the backcourt. Um I thought Al Durham hit a couple big threes in the at the end of the first half to you know, stem the tide a little bit. Uh, even though IU did go in uh, in at the half down seven, thought he had a you know good performance there, and and ended up with thirteen points. Although he was five of fourteen again, missed most of his shots around the rim, was three of six from the uh, from the three point line. 
um, you know, struggled like some of the other guys to finish around the basket, continues to struggle to get any kind of calls driving to the hoop. Um, it's and, ridiculous, man. <laughs> and I thought and I and I thought that was the common thread between he and Rob, particularly in the game was just finishing around the rim. I mean, you know, Rob was one of eight uh, on twos and Al was two of eight. So, you know, three out of 16 on two point shots for those guys. There were a couple of those that were pull up jumpers, but I thought they really, you know, Al Al made a runner. Um, you know, Rob's only one was on a reverse. I thought there was one time he tried to stop in the lane and take a shot. I, I just, I don't know if that was, you know, the, I, I wouldn't say that Wichita state was a terribly tall team. I mean, the guy that had six block shots was six, five, uh, granted he was playing guys that were smaller than him. You know, those are the shots that he was blocking, but I just thought, you know, those guys finishing around the rim. And as you look forward to next year, that's something that they both need to to work on as well. You know, we talk about the outside shooting, but you know, if they're really going to drive in and attack and try to get shots up, I thought there were some forces that they had uh, over the course of, of tonight's game um, that they really needed to need to try to either figure out how to finish or how to, you know, dish out of that instead of really trying to force it in into a, a really crowded lane. I thought they both struggled with that, but overall uh, I thought Al made some, made some big plays and, and, you know, continued a really strong uh, sophomore season from him with knocking down some threes that, you know, missed that one we talked about that would have given IU the lead, but, you know, Ryan, any any lingering thoughts on the on those two guys from the backcourt? I know you touched on Rob a minute ago, but uh, any any other thoughts on those guys from you? Well, on Al, I'll just start on Al, and and I think that Al is going to be. He finishes the season. I'm not, I'm not sure if these are the final stats if they've been updated yet, but he was shooting 34 percent from three coming into this game. Uh, I would not be surprised if he's in the the high 30s next year, um, just because he's got a solid stroke and it's much better than you know. He I remember when he came in and people said. Well, you're going to change your shot. And he said, I don't need to change my shot. Well, his shot looks a lot nicer than it did when he was in high school. Um, but I think he's, you know, we've seen over the last few games just how integral a piece he can be and maybe surprising to a lot of people. 22 points against St. Francis, six against Arkansas, but he played great defense. And he, he was one of eight from three, missed seven threes, and they were all open. He hits you know, 40% of those, it's a different game for him. Uh, 13 points tonight. And I thought a lot of that was gutting things out, but you're right. He and Rob have to get better at finishing through contact or at least, I don't know, flailing to get a call because they clearly could not get calls uh, at all tonight. Um, Again, they, they allowed a lot of contact to go both ways. So I'm not doing my typical complaining about the officiating. I'm just saying that, you know, there was contact. If you're going to draw the foul, you got to find a way to do it. Um, or don't take that shot if you're going to get fouled and, and you're not going to, you know, you can't repeatedly drive into somebody's chest, uh, throw a ball up to get blocked if you're not getting the calls. You just can't. You got to be smarter than that. Um, but I think that, yeah, he and Rob need to work together this offseason on A, shooting, B, finishing around the rim. Uh, those are two guys who are key to Indiana's next year. And if they both take a leap, and, and by the way, Durham has gotten a lot better since he stepped on campus. This is a guy who is capable of taking a big leap forward next year. Uh, We saw it over parts of this year, what he's capable of athletically, defensively, and then when he's making his shots. Now, of course, he's got his fingers are still messed up from, uh, I think it was the Michigan State game. He he really, his shot hasn't been right since then. He's hit a a couple. He's had some streaky uh, times where they've gone down. Other times they haven't. So he's a guy who needs to work on his shot. And Rob Finnessy, I'd say that too. But again, as you said, Andy, they both also really need to work on uh, finishing at the rim through contact. And I think that Rob is a really good finisher, but he needs to be able to finish against guys who are bigger than him, not just other point guards. 
I, I think uh, both those guys had pretty good years um, for what was expected of them coming in. I, I'm happy uh, for the production that they had. I think Al got better throughout the year. It was unfortunate that Finnessy had a little bump in the road for about a month, five weeks with the concussion. I think that kind of set him back and we didn't see, we started to see the, the true Finnessy again towards the end, but um, that was a rough year. But he, here's the thing, at the beginning of the year, uh, Finnessy was going to be the guy who's coming off the bench. And that's what the, all the offseason was. He was not recruited to be a 37-minute point guard. He was recruited to be a 20-minute point guard his freshman year. So he couldn't be a freshman because he played well, and then the expectations were, were there. And there was some talk with L was probably the fifth guy when you're talking about Devontae and Romeo and Justin and that who is going to fill that fifth spot. A lot of people had Mick Roberts starting. So when, when you look at the, the roster that started this game, um, you, you had a – I think a couple of those guards that weren't expected to start, but to be bench players throughout the season and the way it worked out um, because of injuries and, and, and better play by Finnessy early. Uh, that was, that was a surprise. And then we had to, we expected a lot from those guys at that point. And, and so, you know, if you really, uh, and I know I'm harping on this, these are great guys, but how many of Indiana starters are really quality starters on a big 10 program there's nothing wrong with being a good sixth seventh or eighth man and you need eight nine man rotations but sometimes i i'm starting to think after watching this whole year that some of these guys were forced into roles that as freshmen and sophomores they weren't necessarily ready to compete at the high level that indiana needed to be better in the big 10 to make an ncaa tournament and another year of progress and working all season we'll see some things and hopefully getting some of the players that we did count on coming in and giving some additional minutes get back in the flow uh, after their injuries uh, next year. But uh, that, that whole roster thing shifted a, a little bit throughout the season and, and it never got settled um, in a decent rotation. And, and so I'm very pleased with those two at the guard position and, and think that we have some special uh, players at, at the, at the wing and, and the point for, for years to come. Yeah. It's interesting with Al. I was, uh, I was looking up his stats as when Ryan mentioned that. So they are, uh, final, including this game on Ken Palm. So he did end up shooting 34.8% from three this year. That's up from 28.6 last year. And he more than a little bit more than doubled uh, his number of attempts. So I think that's a positive, uh, it's certainly a positive development, made a, a really good jump uh, for him. And, and I agree, coach, that as you look through some of these guys that that ended up, you know, playing more, more minutes or different roles than you would have expected, uh, I think those are some positive stories to build on underscores at the same time, the, the roster construction construction points that you were making. But one thing when I looked at Al on, on Ken Palm, they do these, you know, similar player uh, comparisons on here. So right up Ryan's alley with, uh, with player comps, but um, it's funny in, in both Al's freshman and sophomore years, one guy shows up twice and a big 10 guy that we, that we know just left Michigan last year. And that was Muhammad Ali Abdur Rahman. And he looked over his, you know, his career. He ended up being a guy that, by his senior season, was a you know thirteen point per game scorer and uh, and you know a good role player on a on an important team. And I think if that's a trajectory that Al finds himself uh, on in the long run, I think that's a, a really successful one. So I thought that was interesting. A guy that you know could could be a, a decent defender uh, and a good shooter. And hopefully, Al is able to uh, to grow into that. But I wanted to switch gears a little bit and and move into the front court. So Jerron Davis. Um, end of the game. He was the only guy off the bench that scored for IU tonight, ended up with four points, two rebounds, played 15 minutes. Uh, and I thought it was another, 
okay performance from Duran. I didn't think they did a good job utilizing him when he was in the game in the first half. They got Echenique in foul trouble by the the first TV timeout and then really didn't weren't able to take advantage of that. And in fact, it was Wichita State that went on the run shortly thereafter. Uh, and so I thought there were times that Duran was on the floor that, you know, he's a guy, if you're not going to get him the ball in the post, it, it's it's hard to it's hard for him to really bring a lot to the table because he's going to struggle at times defensively. Teams know to try to put him in ball screens. And I thought that was, you know, the inability to really get him involved early was a was a bit of a problem. Uh, did get a couple of layups there, but I thought it was a an, an odd game for him. We talked about some of the matchups and, um, you know, Coach, I'll go back to you on on Duran and, and even thoughts on, you know, Fitzner played well against Arkansas. I think we talked about some of the matchup problems, but uh, it, it almost felt like at some point, was it worth throwing him out there to try to space the floor? You know, Wichita State really, once Echenique got in foul trouble, wasn't really dumping the ball into him, even though they did a lot early on in the game. Didn't know if they were, you know, that was a, a route to go because it seemed like, you know, having Duran clog the paint a little bit more uh, given how Wichita State was playing defensively. You know, the, the point about Fitzner is a good one because I thought about that at some point because not only were they just playing off for the drives, I mean, they're not even guarding passers. Um, and that's the one from the top of the key. They had two people inside the free throw lane. It's hard to feed the post when people are off of the perimeter guys as much as people were off of uh, Indiana tonight. And I thought, okay, put Fitzner. And then I started thinking, who's he going to guard? And, and I will tell you this, as a defensive-minded coach myself, sometimes our negatives as coaching is you get locked in on who can guard people. Well, you need to score the ball in this game as well. And sometimes you might just have to give up some points to get some points and just hope that the shooter that you're bringing in can cover something, and there's a plus. And at some point in a game, maybe you need to try that. And I'm not criticizing Archie, but if I were to 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 be asked, maybe that was a point where, you know, you're getting beat – with the defensive guys in there, maybe you could get beat with an offensive guy in there as well. But there, I don't think there were opportunities to feed the post. When there was, I think we settled for jumpers or, or attacks in the lane. You go back to the, the shots at the rim being blocked. There's a lot of people in the paint. And, and you drive to score or you drive to pass. And one of the problems with IU is that, you know, at times you had McRoberts out there and Smith out there at the same time. Those are the people who are on the perimeter. And so you're better off as Devontae and Fennessey trying to take a hit and get fouled if the calls are going your way and shooting a shot than maybe pitching to someone where you're going to have to reset the offense and then take a shot late in the shot clock. So, you know, it just goes back to it is really hard as a coach to get offense and utilize players like Davis and utilize uh, people that you have in their best spots when all five spots aren't working in the right spot and defenses are set against your best. Um, you know, you, you need offensive balance. Uh, it, you could have the best player in the world and stick him in the low post. If they surround him with five, you're not getting the ball to him. And I think that was some of the problem. Uh, I am a little disappointed sometimes in our settling for threes and early shots without working the ball side, top side to, to maybe get an advantage in the post. But I think most of it was, they just, they just did not allow that, you know, that post feed to happen very much. Yeah, IU turned it over a couple times trying to do that. We talked about the Justin Smith one. McRoberts had a, a, a kind of ill-advised attempt at a post feed uh, in the first half, and and they really did struggle to get it into those guys. That was really my biggest thing with Fitzner is if you can't find a way to get Duran the ball uh, down there, at least have him maybe try to pull somebody away from the basket, another guy who might be able to make shots. I, I agree he probably would have struggled a little bit defensively, but I'm not sure he would have struggled any more than uh, anybody else was because there was a, a stretch – 
late first half where IU was letting them score pretty uh, pretty much at will. It, it felt like at times whenever they needed to stop. So I thought that was the only kind of odd thing, given how he had played against Arkansas and the number of minutes that he had played uh, against Arkansas. That was a little bit odd, but otherwise really you know tighten up the rotation, played essentially seven guys um, with, with race getting those other couple minutes there. So. Uh, all right, I think that'll uh, that'll kind of wrap up this segment. When we come back in our final segment, we'll hand out our game ball, hit any other storylines that we might want to get to, and then in the last call, we'll deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's 73-63 to loss to Wichita State. That's next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni, and we are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's 73-63 loss to Wichita State. And now it's time to hand out our game balls. I got a feeling that uh, this will be relatively easy as we uh, as we go through this one tonight. Uh, so, Coach, I'll, uh, I'll throw it to you first. Who gets your game ball for this one? You got to go with Jawan, not only for what, what he did tonight, but for, for his career. I uh, wish things had been better for him as far as the, the team and coaching and all that stuff around it. I thought I think he deserved a, a, a better outcome, uh, but he's partly responsible for that too in the, in the last three years. But I thought he played uh, well, and you know, it's really hard for all of us to understand is when, when the weight of the program is on your back, every game and you're playing 35, 36 minutes, uh, unless you get in foul trouble. Um, and then we pick on the one time he did, he was, you know, relaxed on defense and gave up a rebound and he's not physically blocking out. Um, you know, we, we nitpick on those things, but I thought he laid it on the line tonight. I thought he laid it on the line for his career, battled through some injuries when he was young and kudos to that man. He'll, he'll be remembered as, as an outstanding Hoosier for, for a long time and, and hope that he, um, stays around and stays active in supporting the program. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, it's Juwan Morgan, 21 points, six rebounds and assists, three blocks, one steal. Um, yeah, he's the, he was the man uh, for IU tonight as he'd been so many times this year and even last year. Uh, it's going to suck to see Juwan go. I think we all love him as a person and a player. Uh, and seeing him develop from you know a plucky freshman bench guy who got injured a lot to – really becoming the key cog in this program is, is, has been a lot of fun. And, you know, for his senior year, he averaged 15.4 points, 8.3 rebounds, um, was robbed of a unanimous spot on the, on the all big 10 teams, I thought. Uh, and then there's this, somebody just tweeted this out. Is it Jawan Morgan's Indiana career has come to an end. He places 24th all time in points with 1,374 10th all time in re- rebounds with 757 and eighth in blocks with 138. So uh, he's in the top 10 of two of the big categories and he's the top 25 of scoring. And, and I think that's where he belongs. I, I think this is a kid who uh, is just a phenomenal player and has been a phenomenal representative of the university since the day he stepped on campus. And even before then, since the day he signed his financial paperwork to come to Indiana and his letter of intent. So um, really sad to see him go and of course go out on a loss, but uh, it, it was so much fun watching him play and see him mature as a person and a player. Yeah, I'll make it a, a clean sweep for Juwan. As I mentioned earlier, I really felt like he was the guy who you know kept things, uh, you know, was able to keep things going, keep things close based on how he played. He was the guy, you know, throwing himself on the floor, 
uh, on a number of occasions. And really you could tell uh, was one that, uh, that just didn't want, you know, his career uh, to, uh, you know, to end at IU. And um, so it, it really uh, will be sad to see him go, but I will say that, uh, you know, he has represented IU extremely well, as you guys have mentioned uh, on and off the court, just seems like a, an all around great kid. And hopefully he gets a, shot in the NBA, the G League, uh, wherever he wants to play basketball. I think he's a guy who uh, is going to work hard enough to try to maximize whatever he can uh, he can get out of his his athletic ability and, and what he's done. And I thought tonight, um, you know, just played like a guy who didn't want didn't want his uh, his last game to come quite yet. And unfortunately, it did. But uh, again, 21 points, six rebounds from him and, and a, a, a good second senior day, uh, if you will, for him at Assembly Hall. And uh, as we've all said, hopefully a guy who uh, who really will stick around the program and uh, continue to be an influence uh, from that perspective. So uh, next up for us, uh, we'll have Assembly Call Radio on Thursday night, um, which uh, will start to to hit some offseason storylines and and look back at the season and and really talk That'll about what fun. we're. Oh yeah, there's a there are there's no shortage of of issues to. Or maybe issues is the wrong word, but there's no shortage of storylines to really look forward to uh, in the offseason about how things develop from here. So it'll it'll provide a lot of uh, offseason discussion for us. So that will start uh, on Thursday night, and we'll we'll kind of look back at the season, which was one of the stranger ones in in recent memory. Although I feel like we've said that at other times, and um, and and maybe it, it's it's always been true, but uh, this was a this was a weird season on on pretty much every level. It felt like from the beginning to the middle to the end, just uh, even within games, the, uh, the the season was a strange one. So we'll have a lot to talk about and break down. So we'll start doing that uh, on Assembly Call Radio on Thursday night of Banner Monday on Monday, uh, which I think will be the last one of the year if I understand the schedule of that correctly. So, uh, you know, lots more to talk about here. Uh, a lot of recruiting news uh, that we'll continue to keep up with. And uh, the, the transfer market, I think, will be heating up pretty quickly. There have been a number of guys who have announced that they're transferring in the last couple of days. Only going to be more, and I'm sure a number of them will be linked to IU in some form or fashion. And so we'll uh, we'll hit all that there. But uh, before we go to last call, any, uh, any other storylines that you guys had? Any thoughts on, you know, the job that Archie did tonight? We didn't talk a lot about him other than, you know, kind of asking the question about Fitzner. I know, Coach, you talked about some of the, you know, ball screen coverage changes, but uh, anything – stand out to you from, you know, kind of game plan or, or anything you saw there? No, and I'm, I'm way too biased towards the coaching world. Um, you know, but, um, you can only do so much on, on the sidelines. Um, and, and I think that, um, Archie does a nice job. Every coach, when they go back and watch film, will say, man, I should have run this set or I should have subbed here or I should have done that if there were, if they're worth anything. And, and I know Archie, Archie takes his job seriously as, as I've never met a coach who purposely wanted to lose a game. Um, always trying to do their best. I, I thought, um, just was limited this year, uh, with a variety of things, and it reared its ugly head again tonight, and uh, yet they battled uh, back within a possession four or five times. And I know people want wins, and they only want to look positively towards IU with wins and to the coach when wins. But sometimes if you battle with a group that's a little bit, um, you know, um, flawed and you keep battling and you keep battling, I think that that speaks volumes too of a coach. Sometimes it's not the final record, but it's the record of what you do with the, with what you, you have. 
uh, and he's yet to have all his guys at one time too. So no, I thought he did an all right job tonight. Uh, it just ran into a better defensive team. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off of your entire order at HoosierProud.com and at HomeFieldApparel.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, go to HomeFieldApparel.com. And if you want one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com. On both sites, use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your entire order. All right, guys, it's time for last call. Uh, Ryan, I'll let you go first. What's your uh, last call on IU's 73-63 loss to Wichita State? Well, I think it was a pretty good uh, way to sum up the season. It's just, you know, a couple things go wrong and Indiana loses a close, you know, it was ostensibly a close game for most of it. Uh, can't knock down shots consistently, uh, you know, give up a few more rebounds than they probably should have, maybe not guard the three-point line as well as they should have. Um you know, a couple turnovers in key situations. I, I mean, there's just a little, a lot of little things that 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 I think developed to lead up to this outcome for Indiana. And ultimately, they're short of their goal, which was to get to Madison Square Garden. And before that, their goal was to get to uh, the NCAA tournament, and they fell just short on both occasions. And that's not good enough for this program. Uh, I think Archie Miller. I, I'm not one of these people who thinks that his job should be on the line or he should be on the hot seat next year. I, I do think that next year there will be added pressure to perform at the level that we expect Indiana to perform at. But if you look at this season, you look at the 12 and two start and then that losing 12 of 13. And then you look at the way they closed it playing pretty well um, and winning even a couple games without Romeo Lankford to show that, you know, this team wasn't just built on his back. If you have Romeo Lankford tonight, did they win? Probably. Uh, but he was not healthy enough to go. And sometimes you have to play and win without your best players. And um, it was a good lesson for this coaching staff of how to prepare this team when they don't have their top scorer. Uh, I, I will say that it's sad to see guys like Juwan Morgan and, and uh, Zach McRoberts, who've met so much to this program, uh, move on. Um, as far as we know, it seems like Romeo Langford will be moving on as well. And and I thank him for his one year. I thought he was a he's a phenomenal player. He's going to have a great uh, career. Uh, and I think that, you know, as long as once he gets that three point shot cranking, he's going to be uh, a phenomenal NBA player and will be a great representative for Indiana and the pros. Um Evan Fitzner, thank you for your one year on campus. Guys like Johnny Jager and uh, Quentin Taylor, I appreciate everything they've done as well. Um, but I think in the end, the lesson of this season is, is that they fell short of expectations. It uh, doesn't mean we can't be proud of the players and, and everything they do off the court and who they are as people, but they fell short of expectations. And there are expectations when you put on that jersey and when you put on a you know coat and tie and are manning that sideline. And, and Indiana has to get to a point where we demand – you know, accountability for uh, when things go wrong. And and Archie Miller, I thought, did a really nice job turning this season around after the Minnesota game. But the problem wasn't what happened after the Minnesota game. It was what happened before that in that long stretch with no discernible changes. And yes, there were injuries. There were a lot. There were a million factors that went into it. But at the same time, you've got to be able to turn things around when they're going poorly. And uh, I think that we have to see that next year from him. If there's a losing streak, you've got to see something different. Uh, even if it's three games, you've got to see something different from the coach and the players. You stick with the system, of course. Your system's your system. But it, things need to change. And I also think that this offseason, it wouldn't be bad if he brought somebody in to sort of look over his shoulder when they're coming up with the offensive game plans and uh, or maybe just in the offseason 
to you know maybe look and add some wrinkles to the offense that aren't there otherwise uh, that and and developing these guys as shooters and, and bringing in someone who can take her with their shots and and get them to a point where we've got some knockdown shooters we can rely on on the staff or, or on the on the roster so uh, obviously a disappointing season i'm as disappointed as all of you are out there but at the same time uh this is IU basketball. It's supposed to be a fun. And, and I, at times, had a lot of fun watching this team and at times really didn't. So uh, let's hope that next year's a lot more fun for all of us. Yeah, that'll be the epitaph of this year's season. At times, it was fun. At other times, not so much. At times, I wanted to gouge my eyes out. At other times, it was wonderful. Perfect. All right, Coach, what's your last call tonight? Uh, a couple things. Uh, kudos to the managers. Um, I've had a couple sons be managers. Matt Ch- Chaffee is a senior manager. I think he's in his fifth year. Uh, he might be back for his sixth year. Who knows? He hasn't announced his attentions uh, yet. But those guys do a great job and are unsung heroes of, of the basketball program. And I want to, uh, again, I said this last week to whoever runs the account at IU Mop Lady, getting um, the donations and all the people who donated tickets that's Indiana basketball. Yes, uh, we need to be in the NCAA tournament. We need to coach better. We need to play better. We need to assembly call better, all that stuff. But it says a lot when you see pictures tonight of, of young Indiana fans in assembly hall for maybe the first time or or their inability to pay for regular price tickets to get in. And the crowd was fantastic tonight. It was fantastic Saturday. Fans who really appreciate Indiana basketball because it says Indiana, nothing personal. Uh, and they're there to root the guys on uh, and made a great atmosphere because those fans wanted to be there with no, uh, no agendas about the coach or the players or any of those things. That's the, that's the part I'm taking away from the, this NIT run, as well as what everyone said about the improvement at the end of the year. Uh, kudos to Indiana fans for, for making it um, the best it could be uh, when we all would rather be playing in the NCAA. But just outstanding generosity, something our country needs a lot of, in many different areas and to witness that um, through social media and all of that, it just, it makes me proud to be a Hoosier. Yeah. Well said coach. That was definitely one of the, uh, the bright spots for me over the, the latter part of the season, taking a, taking a bad situation and making it a good one for a lot of people is definitely, uh, as you said, something we need more of. So I'm going to do my best to, uh, you know, to, to channel my inner Jared here and, and, and put a good spin on the end of this. Uh, w- without, without sugarcoating anything, but I, as Ryan said, the season was disappointing in, in the aggregate. Uh, there were times that it was, that it, it exceeded expectations that I think we can all learn a little bit, something about how we let those get away from us as we have, uh, the last two seasons. And at times these, the, the, the season was incredibly frustrating, uh, as you watch things really careen out of control, it seemed like for a while, then rebound briefly and then end in a game that, featured so many of the ups and downs that we had over the course of the season. But as you step back right now and you look at uh, the Ken Palm numbers, uh, some of these are are eerily similar to what they were in the past, but I'll, I'll I'll stick it pretty high level. So from a defensive standpoint, the last year of the Tom Crean area, IU was 104th in adjusted defensive efficiency, jumped about 40 spots last year to be 65th, jumped 35 more to where it is right now and, and is currently sitting at 30th. That is the part that tells you that the the system that Archie's trying to put into place for the defensive breakdowns that we've seen over the course of time, that is the intended identity of this team. And you see some of the foundation for that being laid. Can they jump even more and jump into the top 20 next year? Maybe. 
Um, but when you look at that's the positive. The other part is, though, you look at it offensively, dropped to 92nd last year, up to 78th this year. So some marginal improvement, although the actual number itself um, is the exact same as last year, 109.4. The effective field goal percentage is almost exactly the same, 51.1 versus 51.0, the exact same rank. Turnovers got marginally better. Offensive rebounding percentage got worse. Free throw rate got worse. Uh, Two-point shooting is exactly the same rank as it was a year ago, and the three-point shooting, once again, ends at 31% outside of the top 300. I mean, those things underscore, if you want to look at the glass half full, you look at the defensive numbers and what Archie has been able to do and been able to build the foundation. We heard from guys this year how much easier it was in year two that you've got guys that can teach the system. That will continue to be the case next year, but this team has to get better offensively. Uh, That's not breaking any new intellectual ground by any by any stretch. Uh, But but this team has to find a way to shoot the basketball. You can't shoot 31 percent in in the college game, the NBA game. I'm not even sure you can shoot that in the high school game and be successful, quite frankly. Um, And so whether that's getting people in to work with the guys that we have, whether that's bringing in somebody else as a transfer, whether that's bringing in somebody else from a coaching standpoint that could do things. I don't know what the answer is. Uh, to that, but Archie has to find a way to get this team to shoot better than 31% from three-point range, better than 65% from the free-throw line uh, for a team that really wants to try to attack. That that has to get better. So, uh, I, I you know, while there's been some improvement, at least in the ranks and some of those things, uh, it hasn't been enough offensively, and it has been impressive defensively to see him turn things around, uh, and maybe that's the easier side of the ball to get fixed. Um, but that, as I look forward to the offseason, is going to be the lingering question that will carry us through, not roster stuff necessarily, although that will help answer the question of whether this team can get better offensively. But if this team wants to take the next step and not end up in the NIT and not end up uh, you know, with with 16 losses on the season, it has to find a way to be able to improve those things. And uh, hopefully the signs that we've seen from them in, in the ability to improve defensively can somehow be channeled over on the offensive side of the ball. But uh, if those things aren't able to to improve, I think we're going to sit back and feel disappointed, although maybe in a different way uh, and for different reasons at the end of next season as we did for this one. And and now that's the task at hand as we move into the offseason portion of uh, of IU basketball, which is uh, earlier than, than we would have liked. But uh, again, I'll echo what the, what the guys said uh, in terms of, uh, you know, thanking Juwan and the other seniors for what they've been able to do for the program. I thought he went out and represented himself well, uh, again, as we've talked about. So uh, a, a difficult end to the season, but uh, it was a difficult season to get through at various times. So I guess the uh, there's no reason to believe that the end should be, uh, should be an easy one for sure. So that will do it for this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Thursday night. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. 
And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the assembly call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now, the new Queen Sleep Number 360 P5 Smart Bed is only $17.99. Save $600. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. With the powerful combination of Michelin X1 tires and the Michelin Energy Guard aerodynamic solution on your truck, you can save 17 gallons every 1,000 miles. Go to business.michelinman.com slash fuel saver for details. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.